The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Welcome to Scissoring Isn't a Thing's very special God I'm Such a Dyke reunion show. <laughs> yes. Amen. This is going to be a housewives reunion, I have a feeling. God, I'm such a dyke. No. On, on your email, Liz, it said, God, I'm such a dyke returns. And it broke me laugh. Yes, that was. <laughs> I know. I was like, what is the theme of this? And I started to, we have so many things to talk about. So I couldn't really choose like one topic. But um, really. Well, thank God we have an outline. Thank God, thank we, God have we have an outline. Yeah. God knows. Yes. Yep. Emma, you're really keeping us on task today, which I'm really into. <laughs> But how this kind of came together is one, obviously, we were in love with you before we met you and we've fallen more deeply in love with you now that we've had you on the show. But you and I particularly share a sort of fascination and love of the royals. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I guess it had to have been six months ago when they released the first picture of Kristen Stewart as Princess Diana for Spencer. And you and I really saw a a glaring mistake in wardrobe. Yes, a glaring mistake. The sapphire diamond ring that Prince Charles had made, especially for Princess Diana, looked like something you would get at a Dillard's. You know, like they sell those costume jewelry <laughs> rings, which I kind of like to wear sometimes. I know that's kind of weird. Like, not in a long time, not years. No hate, no hate to Dillard's. No, no hate, hate to Dillard's. 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 They're kind of fun to wear, but it looked like Something you get at a TJ Maxx or a Marshalls. But the biggest problem was that it was the wrong color. Yeah, it's the wrong stone. And this it was so messed up. Modern. So anyway. That so feels like an egregious mistake. Uh, that's that Darren. Bad? That is what Emma and I believed. We were like, how is this even humanly possible that they. And actually, I did take notes. And I will talk more about wardrobe in a moment with the two of you. Um but we became obsessed with that. And I said to Emma, I was like, you have to come back on the show when this movie finally comes out. And we're going to have to talk about it. So Darren, yeah. Yeah. myself, and Emma, we have all seen Spencer. Yeah. So I feel like we mm-hmm. should start the show with that. What do you guys, do you guys agree? Absolutely. I literally just saw it two hours ago. Um, <laughs> okay. So I didn't have time over the weekend because I was working on other stuff. And I was like, I don't know if this is a mistake. Like, I might be really enthralled. And I was, I left the theater crying. We can talk more about that later, but I just off the top, I loved it. And Darren, when did you, let me just ask basic questions. Okay. I watched this two weekends. You saw it two weekends ago. Okay. I'm the old, I'm the farthest out from being the fresh face watcher, but let me ask you this, both of you separately. Granted, you are both more into Royals than I am. So that we know baseline. But given the fact that Kay Stu is of the family, were you more excited because she's a gay woman playing Princess Diana? Or, like, did that add to your excitement? Or you were just excited to see, like, Princess Diana in this form, you know, kind of showing her meltdown? What do you think, Emma? Uh, I, I'm a Princess Diana, like, devotee. Like, if you're friends with me, you know. Like, Princess Diana is one of my patron saints. She's a cancer. Her <laughs> Venus is in Taurus. Same. Like, I, wait, she's a cancer yes, too. Liz, she's got that moon face, those moon eyes. She's she's such a cancer, such a cancer. Moon uh, eyes. to a fault, which is really shown in the film. I think. Um, so I've always loved Princess Diana. Um, my best friend gave me like her book Diana in her own words and like inscribed it to me for a birthday once. Like I'm obsessed. I've seen every film, I've seen every doc portrayal, and I was excited because I had, I've never seen anything that really I felt like got her. Um, like, I didn't love the Crown's portrayal of her this last season. I'm no. excited for the new one, Ditto. though. Um, but I was just excited to see a, a Diana film, and I was excited that it was Kristen. I, and I love the director. He did Jackie, too, with Natalie Portman, which That's right. I love. So I was like, we're in good hands here, but most people were not excited for it to be Kristen. That was the general consensus. True. Now, can I... Okay, so Darren, to answer your question, for me, I thought Kristen was so, like, breathtakingly beautiful. Like, those first images, I was like, whoa, she looks amazing as this. She's beautiful. She's gorgeous. Yeah. Like, this will be interesting. 
I also have never really found Kristen Stewart to be a great actor. So me too. I was kind of like, I wonder how this is. So I was like curious. You know what I mean? I was like, I wonder how this is going to roll. But I need to ask one question before we get too crazy. And by the way, I will put in the description of this episode, spoiler alerts all the way goddamn around. Um, but I, I did tell you guys before we started to record that I was a little sick from the booster shot that I had taken. I hadn't eaten. I went on a cleanse. Very L.A. I also took an edible. <laughs> was this a horror film? <laughs> yes, it was. It was. Okay. Because I didn't know that. When they have Anne Boleyn, which I didn't think was going to be a part okay. of it. But like, I, did, I guess I didn't read that that was going to be like her kind of, you know, the symbol, the metaphor of her like literally losing it. And when I say losing it, for me, it's like, when I don't want to say crazy pejoratively because I think she was led to be crazy. I don't think she was crazy. I think that like her life wasn't her own and she was put in this like mental prison. But and like physical showed, prison, which I love that they showed. physical prison. When they show Anne Boleyn, I like gasped in the theater. And I was like, oh! Like, uh, the only person doing this. Emma, is that why you cried? Because that was terrifying to me. (laughs) I mean, I was living for it. Um, I cried at the end, but I just... It was definitely a horror film. And the score was like a horror film. A note that I... Okay, that's what I'm saying. Because I was like, hi. And I'm like, watching this. And I'm sort of hungry. And I'm like, wait, the music is terrifying. I'm like, is this a horror film? But I actually love that like I am glad that I didn't know that that's what I was going into also I didn't understand really most of the things that anybody said I mean she really nailed the accent but I was like what the fuck but is we understand saying? if we talk about Love Island that you and I don't understand English accents I apparently like, I, I cannot compute my father that. spoke to me in one my whole life apparently I don't understand him either I'm like an Anglophile. I've always loved British films and shows since I was a literal child. So I did not have trouble understanding anyone. But I will say that first scene when Kristen goes into the cafe as Diana and she starts acting, I literally said to myself in the theater with the two other women who were there, it was just me and two other women. I was like, I really hope you guys are gay. Um, I, I just thought, oh, fuck, this is going to be terrible. But... And uh, the next scene when she came in, like she really brought it. And I thought, was this like a nod to the audience, like people underestimating her? Because it would be really clever mm-hmm. if it was. Because they really scared me for a minute talking about it being like a horror film. I was afraid for the rest of the film in that moment. But then she I it. was scared too, but she did. I read it. I read a New Yorker piece on Kristen Stewart about why she's kind of the, like, actress of our generation. This was just what the headline said. I'm not saying that we all agree with this, but basically that her method of acting is, like, she learns the lines right before the scene. So it almost makes it look like they're just popping into her head at any given moment in time. So the reason that I never thought she was a good actress might be the reason that she's actually a good actress after watching this film and reading this article. But I have a random question because I know that like, okay, spoiler alerts, as Liz said, there are scenes where it's like you kind of see her wigging out going nuts but then in actuality she's just like sitting at the dinner table she's not swallowing that pearl necklace or ripping it off but there was that one scene where she cuts her arm I know and then in the next scene she's not cutting her arm and it wasn't there so was that just her wanting to hurt herself but didn't because I was like wait a minute did they just edit this out like it felt out of place. Did you guys pick up on that? Because I was like, what the fuck is going on? And I actually thought she hurt her arm so that she didn't have to wear that dress. That's what I thought. But then she was fine. Emma? Well, she took that wrench and she really got herself good um, on her yeah. arm. Um, I think I think you're right, Darren. I think it was like the pearls and like the pea soup. I think it was like a hallucination. Um, you know, I don't want to like get too far into it because I don't want to trigger anyone, but there's a lot of, you know, eating disorder stuff in the film. And I think that in this particular film, not speaking to anyone's personal experience, but hurting herself or, you know, having the eating disorder be this sort of release for her emotionally, I think are very tied together in the film. Um, 
So yeah. I think that those were kind of like hallucinations and manifestations of, you know, just all of the emotional turmoil she was going through, which was very evident throughout the film. Well, and the like being, I think, Darren, you said before that, you know, she was kind of in this, always in this mental prison. prison but I mean, they really, sh- I loved that they zeroed in on that weekend because I mean, she was just, she was like never alone. She was just constantly watched. And, you know, even it's the whole, you know, escaping to her old home. And like, that's when I was like really high. And I'm like, whoa, this is a fucking horror film. What is happening? It was, it really did show me because I mean, I was six when Princess Diana died, six, eight, whatever, you know, however old I was. And so I was very young. And like, I obviously knew, you know, she was being chased by paparazzi. She died in that car accident. There is some speculation about whether or not that was planned or not. But in this movie, it did, regardless of Kristen Stewart's attitude, and we'll talk about whether or not she's going to win the Oscar because that's the buzz now, it showed me the state that Princess Diana was really in. Totally. And even in true crime, like, when I'm talking about a killer, I'm like, okay, yes, there's there's a killer and they do horrible things and it's not good. But also what led them up to that crime, I think really matters if they were abused, if they had sexual encounters when they were too young, something like that. And I think with Diana, you know, a lot of people that I've talked to about this, and I'm not an Anglophile and I'm not really a royal person, have been like, well, she married into that. She should have known, like kind of the Meghan Markle of what's happening. And I'm like, well, one, social media didn't exist then. So it was kind of hard to tell what it was going to be like, unlike maybe Meghan Markle being with Prince Harry. But also, too, she might have married into that. But after 10 years of this fucking prison, it's going to make anyone go fucking totally. nuts. And I think the movie did a really good job of kind of showing that um, in its true form. With the with the eating disorder that you were kind of talking about, uh, I didn't know. Do do they actually weigh the people? That, is that an yeah, actual that's actually fact? yeah. So that is so. Okay. What Darren is referencing is when kind of it was an age old tradition. It's fun. It was supposed fun. to be fun. To Sandringham, you have to get on the scale. Scale. And they weigh you. And when you leave, they weigh you. And if you've gained weight, it was a sign of like a abundant, successful Christmas dinner. Right. Because, you know, food back then was scarce, right? So it's also a, a sign of wealth, a sign of abundance, like all of those things. So I think it's meant to be fun. But for somebody that has disordered eating or an issue of any kind with eating in general, like, that is so trigger. I mean, I was dying seeing that. I'm like, oh my god. I was god. dying, and I don't even. It was horrible. But, like I would hate that. But I will say, I agree, Emma. You know, not to belabor kind of the moments that went into her um, eating disorder, self harm, kind of uh, hallucinations at nauseum, but. I actually found the performance and the way that they showed, I, I think it really did show what some people have described as that release that you mentioned in a really artful and respectful, like I didn't find it gratuitous. Great. Like it was a huge part of her and it was, it, it just, it, it like, it's so crushing. And I don't, I didn't come out of it like, oh, poor her. I don't know. It just, I thought, oh God, sorry. My dog agrees. <laughs> I found it to be really well done, actually, and and more so than the crown. She, they they almost kind of mocked her in a weird way for the for the you know issues with eating in there. I don't know. I I, I actually liked how it was portrayed it was done by Kristen. In a really I think tasteful, respectful, yeah, thank you, and honoring yeah. way to her. Agreed. And I think yeah, that it was yeah. integral to the story. You know, it really kind of gives you insight to the emotional volatility she was experiencing in this family in this marriage which I think was a big source of a lot of her issues um you know and just in this context in general and in her role so I thought they did a great job too Liz I thought it was yeah I really did I I agree with you both that it kind of showed like how subtle how subtly trauma can kind of infiltrate your life every single day if you don't see it. Like someone on the outside could be like, oh, you're rich. You get all of your outfits picked out for you. That's a dream. And it's like, is it really a dream? I mean, the thing that I also really liked was the juxtaposition of showing how great of a mom she really was yeah. and how much she cared, uh, you know, for for William and for, and for Harry. And 
it actually explained a lot about Harry for me now. Right? And like it really, even though this was 30 years ago, I mean, you know, the, the, the time period was like 30 plus years ago, it really gave me perspective on what's happening today, especially with him. And I and it made me Megan. kind of like him even more. Yes, with Megan, but it made me like him even more than I already did. Did you guys find that? I mean, I know Completely. you guys are more immersed in this. Than no, me, no, I, I think you're right. I think it really showed it. I or like showed kind of why he's made the decisions that he has for his family and why he now works in mental health. I don't know, Emma, did you agree? Yeah, and I just want to make it clear for everyone who's listening to, like in the film, the setting that we're in, they're going to one of the Queen's residences for uh, Christmas weekend. And uh, it's like a three-day period, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And she's there with the entire royal family, all of the staff, including that really creepy, like, Delbert Grady guy from The Shining. He was just there all the time. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, it was But yeah, I think it was like a good insight into her relationship with her children, which was so, I think that she did not get the love that she so desperately needed in her marriage. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Like Charles had a very difficult upbringing um, and he was in love with another woman before he and Diana ever even met so um and why didn't he marry that woman what's the story she behind was married, married at the she? time um she didn't have the background she's just way more like rough and tumble diana was like this virginal teenager who had you know the the background uh that she needed to have the pedigree. yeah exactly. yeah right she was a spencer because remember actually darren i don't know if you know this but charles dated diana's sister yep First. Charles dated Diana's sister. Older sister. Mm-hmm. And they broke up and then Diana just came into the fold. They kind of, I think, Emma, weren't they sort of, they just, they, they were kind of, had, just, yeah, they faded out and Diana was like 15, 16, but had known him since she was a kid because of the sister. Darren, girl. That's See, that's the thing is like I'm less involved in the storylines than you guys of knowing the royals. But I did think that like when all of the shit came out about Megan, you know, a year ago, whenever she did that Oprah interview a year plus ago or something like that, I was a little bit like not surprised that the royal family was like that. Like from everything I read, I'm like, yeah, no wonder they're kind of like insular Mm -hmm. and they care about pedigree and they are kind of racist and... You know, it, it didn't surprise me hearing sure. about that. Sure, I don't Did think it? it surprised anyone, candidly, because that those institutions like are like that. Also, the right. tabloids in England are crazy. Horrendous. No, they're like, way they're, worse than it. The, I mean, it's no. nuts. But yeah, no, I mean... It really did show, I mean, no, Diana, for lack of a better term, and I'll say it, was like basically groomed. Like she was a teenager. And so what does she know? You know what I mean? And she was painfully shy. Um, you, you okay. Know, and so, yeah. And, and you two were upset that the ring that she was wearing. Oh, I have another note color. for you, Emma. Hold on, Emma. Mm-hmm. She's got another, but I, I want to talk about outfits. No, we uh, are talking talk about, about outfits so, okay, right now. Go ahead, go so ahead, number go one, ahead. in one of the first scenes where she's driving to Liz the compound. And it's so funny. She's like, she's like at a housewives <laughs> reunion wiping out receipts right now. It's okay. So funny. I love it. I know. Do you she's love it with the notes? Right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. In one of the first scenes when she's driving to the house in the Porsche, which like, by the way, like, have I not wanted a a black vintage yes. Porsche more in my life. I don't think I have ever wanted more. One Never more in, in my, my life. life. Need a 911. Yep. I'm just like, yep. give me that car. She's wearing Chanel sunglasses. Those are from two seasons ago. So that was incorrect. Secondly, Chanel bag. Diana didn't really wear a lot of Chanel. In fact, she primarily wore Dior, the Dior lady bag. She did wear a little Vuitton, but she really didn't actually nodding in agreement. rock a lot of Chanel. So it's not that it's wrong, but it's not right. And that really annoyed me. Anyway, that was it for the Emma. album. Someone, um, a good friend of mine, Brett, he he made a comment on a post that I did about Spencer recently. And I'm trying to find it because it encapsulated everything you're saying so well. But he made that point. Like, um, Diana, like, famously wore British designers. She never wore Chanel. Um, 
especially like early on. So yeah, it was an interesting choice, but I think for Kristen, she is such a major thing. I mean, That's her partner. Exactly. So I think that that was definitely part of it. And the Chanel bag too. Like I've never, I don't know but, if I've ever seen Diana with a Chanel bag. No, she always had a Dior lady bag. She always, and you're right, she rocked so many British designer. It was annoying to me, <laughs> but also to wear sunglasses that are so new now, like that well, did that not look weird. 90s at all. Well, and also, again, Kristen is the global partner of mm-hmm. Chanel. I mean, she's the face of Chanel. Right, but she's playing Princess Diana. It's like, that so would weird. bother me. Like, had I known that, had I been a bigger fan of the Royals as you two, that might have taken it away from me. But, but maybe this is just like, Case Stew was Diana, and that's the movie that we're well, meant to Interesting, watch. now that you're saying that, Liz, it actually makes me realize that the entire film, even though it's set, like, during the 90s, a very specific, I mean, a very specific time, like, she wore that outfit to, like, the church for Christmas that year, um, it actually feels very modern. The entire film doesn't, doesn't necessarily it? feel period, so really, in a way. Yeah. I, I was only just for... Just because I'm annoying, I did look to see if she had ever worn a Chanel bag, which she had, mm-hmm. but she only did one light tan top. Like it was more like looked like a Kelly bag yeah. or a Dior bag. Like she would never have worn a strap light. Like she just would never have worn a bag like that. And it was really annoying. It's interesting because the other costumes are so detailed and correct. And then they come through with these Chanel accents. And that ring, and you just think this was like very much a choice because everything else is so perfect. Um, And there are slight changes, like different colors, certain patterns, things I think maybe she never even wore, but like um, were linked to her in some way. Um, So it was definitely a choice. And I don't know why they made it specifically like the ring in particular just doesn't make sense to me. What didn't, outside of these specifics, because obviously me as a layperson wouldn't have known, what didn't you like about the film, Emma? I loved it. There was nothing I didn't like about it. The entire time I was watching, I kept saying to myself, oh my God, like this is incredible. Um, and at the end, like I was in tears. Uh, when they started playing All, All I Need is a Miracle, when she was in the I car know. with the boys, I was crying was, from then That was a great song. And I just think that it captured her emotionality in a way I've never seen before. And like, that's really how that feels to be at war within yourself. You know, like I've experienced that. I think we all have to some degree. And there was nothing I didn't like about it. I loved everything. I thought it was perfect. I, I might have asked Liz this. It might have been someone else, but maybe, Emma, you can shed light on it. And maybe just because I want it to be true, Liz, maybe you've answered this, that um, I'm forgetting her name now, but the woman um, who Maggie. dressed her that Maggie. she went on it. Maggie. Maggie. Was that a lesbian relationship that was I actually looked based it up truth? before we got on, and that was not based on anyone in particular, but it was kind of just based on an amalgamation of different relationships and friendships Diana had with household staff and royal staff. Um, but I loved that they literally made this a sapphic film. I, and someone they commented so on that in, in my comments. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, sapphic tension, which I do. I'm always going to bring a lesbian gaze. I'm always going to try to stretch anything I find out for us and like, you know, nibble it up. <laughs> but um, they really like made it a sapphic love story, and I was deeply appreciative at the end. I mean, them the dancing lesbianism, the sh- oh, yes, on go ahead, go the ahead. beach. I was like, yes, but though, I wanted it to be true. I wanted it to be. True I don't think it, they well, and I don't think what I liked about it though is that they definitely like Diana was like off. I mean, she was like, what? Like you're in love with me, you know? But I, it was such an fun tender moment because I was nervous watching it because it is a horror film thank you for (laughs) confirming that that Maggie was like selling stories to the press or was like watching Mm. her because she was gone they made her go to London for the weekend or they made her go for the day so I got freaked out um 
But okay, now before speaking of weaving in sapphic uh, storylines into beloved Tensions. stories that we love, before we move on to our kind of next uh, entertainment item that we need to tackle, do we think she's winning the Oscar? Well, I know she doesn't give a shit in quotation marks if she does or doesn't. She's, I think Kristen Stewart was reported in the news as, as saying she does not care about the Oscar buzz, but I mean... I think so. I thought it was an incredible performance. I mean, and I, I will concede that like Kristen Stewart is like in most roles, you can't get past the fact that you're watching Kristen Stewart she has the face. Right. Um, but yeah, I think it'd be worthy. What do you think, Darren? I guess it depends on who else she's going up against. And I, you know, I don't really know a lot of the movies that are like outside of Marvel. Like there just aren't that, I mean, this was the first movie I saw in the pandemic in the theaters. So, so I just don't watch Marvel. So I guess it would depend who she's going up against. I certainly think any sort of biopic film is going to put you in, cause she's the main character. She's in every scene. She's, she's the heart of it. So I definitely think she's certainly in contention. Yeah. If she doesn't win it. I was going to say the her biggest contender right now is Catriona Ball from Belfast. So mm. and I haven't seen that yet, but I just the buzz is that and that, that that's an incredible film. So I need to see that first. But I think I mean, people are she's in contention, pretty she's adamant in- that she's got a good run for it. Well, thank I, you. Just before yeah. you, just the last comment I'll make. It did make me walk away, and even now, two weeks removed, I think, from seeing the film, it made me think about that this could have been prevented. Oh, like, yeah. It, I it, mean. it makes it seem like it could have easily just, Princess Diana could still be alive. I mean, you know, all else things being equal. And it, that's what made me so sad of just, like, the life lost there and how it didn't well, have to happen, and that was... Darren, like in the film, you know, Princess Diana wrote a note shortly before her death. I mean, she was experiencing some real paranoia, which they showed in the film. She told Harry and William, like, tell mommy if she's being too silly. I'm only going to believe it if it comes from you. And they, they show that in the film because I love Diana. Like, she's a patron saint, like I said, but she was very emotionally volatile and it's not good or bad. Like the royal family isn't bad. Diana's good. It's like it was a complex situation. Um, but be- shortly before her death, she wrote a note, you know, saying, "I think that they're going to try to kill me. I think they're going to cut the brakes in my car." Um, like, I mean, she wrote that note. And in the film, when I think there's like that scene where they have the curtains, or no, it's it's in the beginning when she is driving there and she gets lost and she takes a moment to kind of go out into this field from her childhood and look at this scarecrow that's been there since she was a kid. And the the staff person is like, we need to get back. Like we're running late. And she looks at him and she says, do you think they'll kill me if I'm late? And I just felt like that was, I mean, that was. Oh, I didn't even, I see him. That shook me. And I don't, like, Princess Diana's death was tragic. Um, I don't want to, like, get into conspiracy theories because I think that's disrespectful to her memory. But, um, you know, that's always been in the ether surrounding her death. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the terrifying moments happened in the quietest moments of that film. Yeah. Which is why, you know, just, like, the little subtle things here and there, her being in that fridge downstairs and getting caught and putting that chicken wing down, you know, and kind of straightening out her... Like, it just very... It was very subtly and a lot of nuance in it. But I think you're right. After talking to you both, like... I I think think it kind of captured her mindset as probably best one could 30 years later not being her yeah go ahead Liz with the sequitur I'm sorry no no I'm glad you brought that up and also thank you Emma for having us go and see a film (laughs) yeah yeah. you know uh, Alexandra Dyke another day she and I uh anytime I'm in New York we like to go see a film like we saw the favorite um what else have we uh which I love that movie so good we've seen like some other maybe we saw disobedience together i don't know but this oh wow you're really calling out the the hits here ammonite like let's just go let's just go i actually think i saw ammonite from from are you dead instagram like i think you showed the scene of here of her and zersha and it was either like them writing each other's face or something. And I was oh, like, yeah. Kate Winslet is gay and Ammonite? Like, I had no idea. And then I was Real like, gay and Ammonite. 
real gay and real gay and Ammonite. I mean, let's also I mean talk about I mean, patron saints. Yeah. Kate Winslet can get it. She is not my it. top. She is on my top three, no matter what. Hundred percent. Uh, like if a yes. if a Nazi, like who won't. Well, Hello, the reader. Yes. If like okay. she can be hot as like a Nazi, then which is the worst, like the most disgusting low of the low human beings, then like, you know, what yes. else is there? Where is there to go down? Where is there to go up? <laughs> you know, it's really, yeah. Kate Winslet has, has taken some risks. Well, now s- reboots, I guess, you know, it's always a touchy thing. I think Sex in the City is one where, you know, when I watched it fret, like in real time back in the day, it was such a massive cultural moment. I'm actually sitting here with, I just got my Vogue today with oh. Sarah Jessica Parker on the cover. Oh, Darren, obviously, you know, is besties with SJP. So I'm yeah. sure she can give us some intel there. But I wouldn't say besties. I would say sisters. But there <laughs> has been rumors mm-hmm. That Miranda, who mm-hmm. always I think like in a joking way people said was kind of like a I mean, lesbian. She wore suits in the nineties, sure. had short hair, and was like, and was the stereotypical back in the day the only one that never just talked about men. Like she was always like career woman, right? For lack of what a I think term happened on Sex in the City, truly is Miranda was supposed to be like definitely bisexual and but they just didn't pull the trigger on that because she in season one in particular like the thing with the lesbian and the softball becoming the partner at her firm like she just has this queer energy and I feel like they definitely after season one they fully dropped that um but it was very apparent and very there and season one was Miranda but now you're saying that times. in this reboot that potentially rumor has it she might it's be bisexual been confirmed and- by someone um it came out Chelsea Fearless they did it on every outfit on Sex in the City it came out like through Daily Mail all the news outlets and someone in my DMs a follower said I can't confirm or deny this but I work on the set wink wink like yes like and and someone else said you'll be really happy with how they did it which I will not be happy because I love Miranda and Steve. Also love Carrie and Big, and I'm going to be really upset if like they kill Big or something happens. Which it seems like that is going to be the case. But yeah, Miranda exploring her bisexuality in the same way Cynthia Nixon did after Sex in the City, um, divorcing her husband. She's married to a woman they've been married for a long time now. Like, so I think it's a natural progression in a way, considering where Miranda was in season one. And I do think, certainly, and and I haven't seen any of the any of the cuts yet. Although I know Andy's going to see the premiere in a few weeks, so I'll ask him. But I imagine because it's a lot of like Miranda, you know, Cynthia Nixon actually did this in real life, and she's a queer woman that they will do it appropriately. I imagine it's not going to be like crass and anything. Well, Steve's not going to be like, let me get into that threesome. Like, I I, 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 I agree that. I hope you're right, but I did a little bit I hope of I'm right. research. Uh-huh. Oh. Got the glasses oh, look at that. On. I got she the glasses the on. She loves the research. She loves the glasses. Moment. So I went through and was trying to find any articles I could about queer representation in Sex and the City. And, you know, positive or negative, whatever. And Samantha had her dalliances. Right. And so with they definitely in a lot of the kind of um, commentary and uh, that I had seen was really focusing on like gay male representation and how it was pretty white and privileged, etc. But then I found an article going through the lack of, but also minimal moments of lesb- how lesbianism was portrayed. And I had forgotten about this. You mentioned, Emma, the lesbian or the softball baseball or the lesbian mm-hmm. softball player that became partner with um, Miranda. But do you guys remember the power lesbian episode with Charlotte when she wants to be in like the club? Charlotte is the yes. dearest character. <laughs> Rachel just goes, really- the pinstripes. Yeah. And it was, yeah. and they describe being lesbian as wearing good shoes, mm-hmm. mastering the no makeup makeup look. Uh-huh. And having, yep. you got that down. 
You got that down, Thank Darren. Thank you. Thank you. And Thank you. wearing and having um, amazing suits. And the woman says to her, if you're not like, you know, Charlotte's like fighting with her in the art gallery. Is that where what? They're, and, at, you know, her she, like, yeah. They're at this incredible okay. apartment. Yeah. And the and the, because, the lesbian says, you're not like, going to eat pussy. You're not a dyke, sweetheart, or something like that. Yeah. Not, yeah. Pussy, Which you're not a dyke. Which I kind of can't believe they, especially in season one, when it was like weird and they broke the fourth wall and like, I hate, I wasn't into that at all. But that was but, really strange. I mean, considering the fact that this is 25 years ago now that the probably episode came out, maybe even around that time, I always talk about with Liz how like gay women never get any of the good st- stereotypes. Like we're not fabulous. We don't have style. For them to kind of say that, 25 years ago, like, and give the lesbians, you know, good suits, you know, obviously career-oriented, good shoes, the makeup look, like, that's actually better than most shit I see today talking about. Well, it was like the era of lesbian chic, you know, like Katie Lang and the Cindy Crawford cover, was that Vanity Fair? Vanity Fair. the lesbian chic era, and um, in that episode, the Power Dyke episode, um, there's a couple... And they are so Bet and Tina. Yes. Bet and Tina prototypes. And you just think, and in a lot of ways, I think we have to think Sex in the City because they really kind of, they explore these issues like in a major way um, for a pretty much straight show. And I think that they kind of set the tone for the L word. And I'm telling you, like, they had to have based Bet and Tina off that couple, like these art world power dykes, like they look like Bet and Tina. Um, I didn't even think about okay. that. You're totally That's really right. Good call. Um, yeah. And then, you know, you mentioned it, Darren, that Samantha, like, remember she was dating. She kind of had like a phase with that lesbian. She had the relationship. The, the lesbian was like it was super like overbearing. Episode they, arc, were, like, though. Like, actually, they were taking baths, processing constantly. They I mean, she like squirted on her. It was like actually like like <laughs> oh, yeah, that's one right. of the more gratuitous sex scenes where she's like going down on her and she fucking squirts at her. Like, oh that's, my god, I totally forgot. That's big. That's big for that time. That would be big today. You're now right. we're talking about um, what is it? What is the movie you just mentioned? The Jewish girls where they spit on each Disobedience. other. Oh, Disobedience. Disobedience. And even that spit was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. They're talking like, yeah, it was a big time. There's a lot there. They went there. It did. Well, and I, but I do, I did find a quote, which I'm pretty sure you two are going to remember when Carrie is dating a guy who tells her that she, that he is bisexual. She says at the cafe, I'm not sure bisexuality exists. I think it's a layover on the way to gay town. Mm -hmm. Carrie was extremely, Carrie said some other stuff, I think, later in the episode where she's like, what, you just wake up one day and you're a lesbian? Or even maybe Miranda yeah. says it. Like, they say some pretty harsh stuff about um, Samantha's relationship with the artist. Um, I think it was yeah Maria, right? I think was her name. I think it yeah. was Maria. Um, yeah. And it's funny because Charlotte is really the most, I think, open to queerness. Like, Charlotte had that episode where she dressed in drag. She showed queer artwork at her gallery. Oh, yeah. She had a gray oh, and she was willing to show her vagina to that artist. Like, she's but out there. But Carrie, I mean, and I love Carrie. Like, I'm definitely a Carrie myself. But um, <laughs> Carrie was like, she flipped out when Alanis Morissette kissed her on the mouth. Like, that spin the bottle game. Like, Mm -hmm. Carrie was a little I'm not gonna call Carrie homophobic that's a reach but like you know she wasn't down for the bisexual boyfriend she wasn't down for Sam and Maria's relationship you know Carrie made some mistakes is what I'll say definitely I think it's obviously like a sign of what that of what the you know homosexual culture was then and I think even now like I'm not sure bisexuality exists. I think it's a layover on the way to gay town. I think a lot of people still feel that way when it's men being bisexual. I think think it's a lot more palatable to think of women like that. Sorry. Yes, but I think that, I think just in my dealings, if you see it, like the way that, not how I process it, but like when someone looks at Liz versus a guy and they're both like I'm bisexual I think that we'd be like okay well Liz could probably go either way but when you look at a guy you're like you've sucked dick you're definitely more gay than you are it's just like horrendous 
It I'm is. not saying that's how I feel. It's not saying how I feel. No, I, just I know. Feel like society does that in a lot of ways. It's just why I think that a lot of men don't come out as bisexual because they're probably too scared to really have the bi erasure as opposed to women. It's like, yeah, women find women attractive. I think, you know? it'll, I think you guys are right. I think it's good that Cynthia Nixon is the one portraying the bisexual, bisexual person. Exactly. Right, exactly. Because she can bring some hopefully – you know, gut the check. The nuance of Yeah, it. and the nuance mm-hmm. of it. So it'll be interesting. I also like seeing them evolve as women like that. I also, we talked about it a little bit, Emma, a couple episodes ago where um, Sarah Jessica Parker, where you can see her grays on the cover of Vogue, oh, wow. um, talked about how, you know, she was sort of shamed for going silver, whereas her BFF Andy Cohen, you know, is called, Hans- you know, basically the, you know. Silver five, of course. Exactly. The issues there. I've kind of been loving seeing them all look their age, like hot versions of themselves, which is their age. Like, I love that they're not crazy looking or have done anything. You know, I don't know. I think they all look great. They're not giving Real Housewives. Although I will say Real Housewives of New York, to me, they've had the least face work done of anyone and look the most normal. But yeah, they all look beautiful and their age. And it's like women at any age are stunningly beautiful and I, I think they're doing a great job of that too Liz yeah I, I'm excited of the the reboot so far yeah and I'm excited to see just in terms of what you guys said of like how the language has really progressed especially with this bisexuality sure. thing and like I'm excited to see you know sort of the complaint with me was like it didn't pass the Bechdel test the original Sex in the City like I'm re-watching it now I'm in I'm in, in season one and just like every five seconds they're comparing their worth to like whether or not a guy will like text them or call them back you know and I don't necessarily think that was very helpful for a lot of female confidences back in the day so I'm kind of in I'm kind of interested to see how that female empowerment can really come out in this reboot if that's what we're kind of calling it here Um, and to see them as like older successful women who are really actually fully formed human beings I'm excited to see how that kind of plays out in this season what what have we found out what they're saying about Samantha um no but I mean you know Kim Cattrall did not want to do it at all she's she's a wild one Kim Cattrall is so interesting um I've heard so many stories but have you ever seen have you ever seen her behind the actors or inside the actors studio I've seen her playing like a stand-up cello or like um what is batting yeah I've seen the video I have not seen inside the actors studio Inside the Actors Studio was great. So I went to the new school, so I got to go to all of the. I mean, those were like I got a Wednesday night. I got into the new school for a clinical psychology program. Didn't go, but I love I love it. School. Okay, well, that was like my dream. That's where I went. It was great. And so I got to go to a lot of them, which was cool. But I ended up watching – I don't know how I found it. Probably from the scatting. Yeah. But I, like, found my way into YouTube and watched Kim Cattrall and Inside the Actor Studio. And she portrayed herself – I don't want to say she is because I don't know her personally. But, like, she seemed like an asshole. I, I mean, I don't know. I got to be honest with you guys. Like, listen, I can only imagine – and I know, Darren, you know her, so, it, like – I can only imagine the that many stars, whether they're female or male, but like you know how Hollywood pits all women against each other, getting along, being on a show for that many years, you know, having one person obviously be the star, but like everyone bringing something to the table. There's going to be issues there. Whatever. It's going to be personality. Exactly. Like no one's saying that. SJP, Cynthia Nixon, and Kristen Davis are all good friends I are very good to me when you're the only one that can't keep a friendship with any of those women going it does just make me think and I you know I mean who knows like Kim Cattrall has her truth and like I respect that but I mean the rest of them get along really well and have genuine friendships but and also and that I think actually that was the interview where she went in on her like on the record but I just watched that interview and I was like, you couldn't be further from the free spirit, PR, cutthroat, fun, loving, mm-hmm. queer, friendly Samantha that we know and love. Like, you are an amazing actress, Kim Cattrall, because you are sort of a wet blanket. 
and this is crazy. I don't know. I just didn't know if y'all had It does it. say like a juggernaut like Sex in the City, the fact that we're sitting here 30 years later and we still don't really know the reason though, I think is a testament to not only Kim, but also the other ladies not necessarily spilling the beans or saying like, oh, Kim's a bitch and we don't want her anyway. Like, because it easily could have said that. It's not like any one of them didn't have platforms to say yeah. that at any given time. So it's a testament, I think, to them being no professionals. Uh, I don't think anyone's taken like a low blow, you know? And, and no. there are things yeah, that no. come out in the press and there are eruptions that happen, but I don't think any of them have gone out of their way to be really nasty, you know, about any of it, so... Now, as far as I can tell, you're right. Yeah. Now, before we wrap up, I know you kind of said, Emma, that you identify as a Carrie. I identify as like a Carrie Charlotte Steve hybrid. But yeah, I like I definitely like identify as a Carrie. Okay. <laughs> I so like that. I'm the greatest so thing I've ever said. I'm so oh, sorry. Yeah, that. That was really the best. That was one of your, that was a that's, pull quote a for sure. Quote. Yeah, that's a pull I'm quote. So um, sorry. Oh, God. No, no. Thank you for that. Um, Taryn, who are you in Sex in the City? I mean, if I would go with the four of the four, if I had to choose one and not a hybrid, it would probably be Miranda. Like, just because of how she, just, just how she handles a lot of things, how she, like, handles her dates, how she handles, like, her own confidence level, her career. I very much so identify with her. I probably identify the least with Samantha. I, I, shockingly yeah. enough. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like I'm a little bit of all of them. You are a little bit of all See, of them. See, so you get like, the hybrid thing, right. Liz. It's like, you know. I know I do because I'm definitely like a little bit of a carry mm-hmm. in some ways. Miranda with work and also like I can be a little like not that easy going. What do you think? What do you think, Rachel? Rachel's like <laughs> laughing. I also think that in some part of my life, I was a Samantha. Yeah. And then I am a real true blue, like mono. My towels are monogrammed. Right. You're so Charlotte. I'm like, so, Charlotte. so Charlotte. Like it's crazy. Like, so you know, aesthetically, you're Charlotte. Aesthetically. But that's you think it. I'm spot on. OK, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> we got a, a verdict. I now, um, and I are like, yeah. we're all of them. Yeah. Not- well, I'm not Steve. Steve, that is a good one, and I'm a I Steve. wish. I would be laden too. Sir, like Pisces. There's some water somewhere. Like he's got a water. Oh, big oh, time! My God, I think Miranda's like a uh, like definitely a fire sign. She's got some Capricorn somewhere in there. Um, sorry, I, I'm sorry for. I love it. I love you so much. <laughs> no, it's like my favorite thing, Emma. We um, also just DM. I want you to give me a reading or something. We DM each other cancer dates, memes. I give people tarot readings on dates. Emma, can we pretend? To <laughs> yeah. Can we, can we, can we, can we, I'll okay. get the. Oh my yes. God. I love it. Yes. Um, well, so what's our. So net net, mm-hmm. we're excited about sex in the city. Yes. And we are ex- and we would encourage people to see Spencer. Absolutely. A million percent. Spencer was amazing. Loved it. And even if you're not the biggest royal file like me, you can still enjoy it and actually learn something, I think, even deeper than you probably even just read from the headlines. If you were alive during that time or not, it's actually a really, it's a subtly beautiful movie oh, in a lot of ways. It's so beautiful. It's such an emotional film. I actually recommend, like, go see it by yourself. It's such a, like, deeply personal film like my best friend's gonna go see it and she was like I think I'll go alone and I was like go for it that's what I said do it I mean I was crying at the end no one wants to see that so I love it I would I would go to a movie and cry next I've gone to movies and cried yeah one a Molly Shannon movie it was really sad she had cancer and I can't remember the name and I sat there and sobbed Katy Perry part of me in 3D by myself with a bunch of 12 year old girls in the <laughs> did you cry did you cry <laughs> I cried because I was so happy because I love Katy Perry wait why was it in 3D because that's the fun time to see it. it's Katy Perry part of me in 3D makes me sick I don't like 3 you had to wear glasses see it in 3D well, you're wearing glasses know, right her... now no but yeah, you yeah, go like thank this. you Emma god damn it <laughs> yeah you can't Jesus. I don't like 3D either it gives me a headache to be honest it makes You're me such Ill. a Charlotte, Liz. You're such a Charlotte. Um, oh, my God. I'm dead. Emma, where can everyone find you? Follow the Sex and the City for sure fashion content, especially on Miranda's bisexuality, <laughs> as well as hot 
hot pics of hot yes. women. Yes, uh, God, I'm such a dyke on Instagram. And I just dropped my new Carol season merch. It's time to watch Carol. Oh. It's on Tubi for free right now, just so everyone knows. It went off Netflix, unfortunately. Um, but I made Carol season sweatshirts and Christmas cards. So those are available on my website, God, I'm such a dyke.com. And let me just say before we head out of here, I wanted to watch this movie for so long with my ex, but she never wanted to. Then I forgot about it. And then your Instagram last week reminded me to watch it, which is Lizzie with Kay Stu and Chloe Sevigny. So I'm going to watch Lizzie. Thank you. You mean Chloe Sevigny? I love that you just called her Sevigny. What did you just say? She's like Sevigny. No, Sevigny. Can I just give you guys a really quick Lizzie anecdote? Um, yeah, it was filmed in the city where I went to college, and Kristen used to go around with Cell Maxwell while they were filming, like all over, which was a huge thrill for me as like a newly realizing I was gay um, person. And so Chloe and Kristen went to this bar that's closed now, but it was like very famous in the city. Um, and Kristen had like broken her foot or something or like injured her leg during filming or I think she's had issues with this leg previously so my friend from college went out and with Kristen and Chloe like to this bar and uh it went home before then they stayed out really really late uh and she sent me a picture of Kristen on her crutches getting into like an uber at like 3 30 a.m and it was just like the biggest thrill for me. I should have been at the bar with them. Gagged. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, where were you studying? So should have waited. Yes. Pulling an all nighter. Who knows? Oh, well, everyone go get that Carol merch. What a dream. Amen. And follow at God, I'm such a dyke if you're not already, but we all know you are. Already and you can follow at us, Darren at Carpe Darren, me at Listen to Liz, at SIAT Podcast for the show. And we love you and happy holidays. Happy holidays. Yes, happy holidays all around. Scissoring Isn't a Thing is a production of Embassy Row. Our executive producer is Sarni Rogers. This episode was produced by Alexa Machia and Anna Marie Johnson. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SIAT Podcast. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> 